Gentlemen, this is Daniel once again on the I Have Written Podcast. And today we're talking about the three wise men, the Magi. And you know, I know it seems stereotypical because it's the Christmas season and everything, and you probably can find one of dozens of podcasts, any one of dozens of podcasts, talking about this subject. But this was prompted in me, not just because of the season. Yes, I have been reading that story more lately at this time of year, the the birth of Jesus, I mean. But mainly because of the character of these guys. That's what I want to talk about mainly. And these guys get looked over so much. I mean, yes, we all know that they traveled from a very distant land. It's guessed to be somewhere in Persia, uh, probably around where Babylon was. And we know they brought great gifts. They brought brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, is what the traditional account tells us they brought. And we know that uh, they had a great significance in the birth of Jesus, showing his kingship, how wise men, and some accounts even say these guys were kings, um, but... It's more likely that they were just scholars, wise men, scientists, uh, men of great renown of that age, nonetheless, even though they might not have been nobility. But the point was their presence emphasized his nobility, his rightful claim to nobility, since his birth was prophesied uh, years and years, centuries before he even showed up and then was foretold in the stars, which those wise men used to interpret the times of his birth and to find him as well. So not only what did what they do was great in and of itself. I mean, these guys traveled, like I said, who knows how many miles exactly. It was quite the distance, but they traveled over dangerous terrain. And it's estimated um, in some studies about the distance it would take, time it would take, excuse me, to travel that distance during that time period where you just have, you know, camels and pack animals. Um, It would probably have taken them one to two years to actually get to where Jesus was. So there are some debates that the wise men didn't actually show up and find Jesus until he was about 18 months to two years old because they wouldn't have seen his star until the day he was born and then started following it then. But that's all up for dispute. But What I want to talk about more is their character. Now, these guys, as far as we know, weren't believers. Um, They studied the ancient scrolls and prophecies. But as far as we know, we have no indication that they actually were um, observers of any form of Judaism, any form of the Hebraic faith, the Old Testament Hebraic faith, and as far as we know, transferred over into Christianity. That's debatable. I think it's worth noting that because they were willing to do what they did, at the very least, they knew Jesus was very important. Whether or not they knew he was the savior of all mankind is up for dispute. But at least they knew he was someone worthy of recognition. And so these guys travel for hundreds, if not thousands of miles, and they go to find a child. And I want you guys to ask yourself, would you be willing to do the same thing? Would you be willing to travel who knows how long over perilous territories, 
bringing gifts that are worth years wages, multiple years wages. And would you be willing when you found a little baby who was prophesied to be born? Would you be willing to give up everything you had, all the comforts you had in position and wealth and rank in notoriety and respect, would you be willing to give up all those things to travel all that way, give away incredibly expensive gifts, and bow down and worship a little baby who couldn't even speak yet, probably, as far as we know, who couldn't convey who he was at all, who couldn't give thanks who couldn't prove in any way at that time that he was who they believed him to be. But they still were willing to travel all that way and bow down and worship him. And whether or not they actually were there on the day of his birth, in the stable, or whether they found him years later, just when Mary and Joseph were just living, and, you know, living in a simple house because Joseph ran a carpentry business, But still, they would have been going down to much humbler surroundings than they were used to. And they went to worship this little child. Imagine, guys, the sight. I mean, Mary and Joseph see this caravan coming along, right? They don't know these guys. They could just be passing through. And then they stop in front of their place. And they all dismount. They're looking around. And they hear... The little sounds and coos of the baby inside. And they look and they know that's the house they're looking for. That's the stable they're looking for. And then they come up to the house. They knock on the door. And, you know, Mary and Joseph, they knew that someone wanted to kill Jesus. So they may have freaked out a little bit. Who knows? But they open the door. There are all these well-dressed men there with their entire entourage escorting them. And they say, we're here to see Yeshua. And (laughs) I can only imagine, you know, Mary or Joseph calling, uh, Yeshua, could you come here, please? And he toddles out, you know, at two years old, chances are he's walking pretty well at that point. And he toddles out there and these guys look at him and they just get on their knees, get on their faces probably in the custom of that day and bow down in front of this little baby boy. I mean, what could Mary and Joseph say? What could they do except to be absolutely flabbergasted at what's going on right before them? And then these guys, after they've bowed down and paid homage to this little boy, they go back to their animals and they bring out these gifts to him. And he, of course, doesn't know what they are. Maybe he opened the box with the gold and started playing around with the coins and chinking them together because he liked the sound and they were shiny. Who knows? But no doubt they were given to Mary and Joseph afterwards for safekeeping. And they explained to Mary and Joseph why that they, why they are there, that they read the prophecies and they've been studying those scrolls and they've been observing the stars waiting for this day. And they came to worship this boy because they know he'll, he'll change the world. And then who knows whether they stayed a day or two or not or they left right away again. But then they leave to go back from to go back to their home country and resume their life. But imagine the impact 
that left on Mary and Joseph. You know, all the neighbors are looking and staring. What's going on? Why are these crazy, filthy, rich guys coming out here and giving these gifts to your baby? You know? But what humility on their part, guys. These are these are guys who are used to being waited on. They're used to being surrounded by very highly educated people, very cultured, very wealthy people. They're used to having whatever they want in life, probably. And yet, they came and they bowed down in front of this little boy and considered him greater than themselves. What a story. I mean, I hope you guys are actually vis- like visually imagining this in your in your minds because it brings it all so much more into the perspective. It's so easy to think, yes, they showed up, they gave their gifts, they bowed, they left. But actually think about it from a human perspective. This is incredible. But would you guys be willing to do the, to do the same if you were in their position? Would you be willing to leave all those comforts and go? And would you have the humility enough even though this little boy here is dressed in simple clothes, probably can't speak very well, if at all, he's still toddling around and he has no responsibilities in life yet. And you're going to bow down before him and call him master. I mean, it's just, wow. It blows my mind that these guys were able to do that. And it speaks so much to their character. And that's the character that we want, men of God. That's the character that we need to strive for, that when God tells us to do something, when God tells us, this person has my heart, and you can trust them, and you can believe in them, are we willing to say, okay, Lord, because you said so, I'll do that, even though that person may be much younger than us, even though that person may be much less skilled or educated than us, even though they may have uh, much fewer, many fewer experiences than we have, or they're not as well traveled or any sort of variable. You can see there are so many variables that we can put in our minds that we can tell ourselves we're justified in looking down on this person or not trusting this person. But when God says, this is the person I've chosen for this job, are you willing to humble yourself and say, okay, because you said it, that's all I need to hear. And it's just such an awesome story, guys. Wow. The journey these guys went through and the things that they did just to get there and worship this little baby boy. And then they didn't get anything out of it. That's another thing. They got nothing out of it. There was no incentive, no reward for them to go other than knowing that they met the kid who they knew was going to change the world. Just being able to say, we met him. We knew him. That is incredible, guys. That's an incredible testimony right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but man, I want us to have that same character, guys. I want us to have that same integrity, and I want us to have that same sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. These guys didn't have the Holy Spirit. They just had old prophecies and the stars to read by. But they were so dedicated that they gave up everything they had. I mean, they still had stuff waiting for them at home, probably. But in one of the Gospels, it says that they found out that Herod wanted to kill the kid. So they went another way than they told the guy they were going, found Jesus, worshipped him, gave him the gifts, and went home a different direction. If they had been caught after doing that, they could have been killed. They could have been butchered. And they actually risked their lives to do that. That is so 
awesomely insane, but I love it. And real quick, I have a fun fact for you guys. Did you know that the Magi, the School of the Magi, was originally founded by the prophet Daniel of the New Testament, of the book of Daniel? Now, this hasn't been confirmed entirely, but there is a general scholarly consensus growing more and more that that is how these guys learned the prophecies and traditions of Jesus all the way over in Babylon or in the Far East, wherever they were, that Daniel started that school and then it was passed down through generations and they were taught all these things for all these years. So, the more you know. So, let's wrap this episode up. Another thing that I want to cover real quick before we go today is to emphasize once more the humility of these magi or these kings. You know, I mentioned before that Moses, it says Moses was the most humble man on earth. The funny part about that passage is that Moses is the one who wrote it. Now, you would think that that would be pride, but really it takes a whole lot of humility to just do and write down what God says you are. Humility is accepting who God says you are over what anyone else says you are, no matter how much praise or lack of praise you get for doing or being who you are. And Moses had to write that down when the Holy Spirit told him, you are the most meek, humble person on the planet. He was humble enough to write it down. And um, these guys, there are prophecies of the Magi um, in Isaiah chapter 60, where it says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And later in that chapter, in verse 6, it says, a multitude of camels will cover you. All those from Sheba will come. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. When these guys were studying these prophecies on these scrolls, I have no doubt that they saw these things. And they had to be humble enough to admit and recognize that the scriptures were talking about them. They didn't write themselves off and say, oh, we know, we know, there's no way it could be us. We couldn't surely, couldn't surely be the ones who this prophecy is talking about, but they, in fact, were. And they had to lay down aside any doubts, any second-guessing, and just admit, we're the ones who are here for such a time as this. We're the ones who are going to fulfill this prophecy. And like I said, guys, it takes a lot of humility to do that, to admit that God has big plans for you. Because it's easier to admit and say, oh, you know, God only has a small piece of the pie for me. He doesn't have big plans for me. How could he use me? Or why would he even want to use me? Etc. Etc. But no, God has big, amazing plans for each of you. And these guys had to recognize that. They had to recognize that God had chosen them to be the ones to fulfill this prophecy. They weren't Jews. You know, they weren't even Israelites, you know, nationally. But they still were the ones that God had chosen to recognize the kingship and the authority of his son Jesus and convey that to the rest of the world. And that, guys, is a really, really awesome story. So this episode was a little shorter today. Um, 
but I think I conveyed my point across fairly well. I, ho I hope I did at least. But remember, you guys too can have the humility of the Magi. You guys can say, you know, this is what God has told us to do. We're going to do it regardless of how long it takes or how hard the road gets. And regardless of what other people say, or say if they say it's too good to be true, we're going to say, well, maybe it is. But God has still chosen us to do this at this time. So be thinking about that during this Christmas season, guys. You are blessed. You are highly favored. And I will see you in the next episode.